Welcome to Sightseeing Japan, the podcast where we explore the land of many faces. I'm Paul Bresson. And I'm Jason Neeling. And today we're talking about masks. Traditional Japanese masks. A mask is a face you put on your face. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, that's what it is. And there are many different types. They're masks of kami, the gods, the mm-hmm. deities mm-hmm. of uh, ancient Japan. There are animal masks. And as we will see, a lot of these masks are used in no theater, which is a traditional form of Japanese theater. There's like music and dance and drama all rolled together. And uh, I mean, these masks that they make are amazing. They're real works of art. Yeah. Dedicated craftsmen make these masks, and they're beautiful. Yeah. And if you happen to visit Japan, you'll probably have a chance to bring a mask home with you. They're not uncommon to see in touristy areas. Yeah, if you go to a Matsuri, you might see some masks around. Mm -hmm. Or even, uh, I remember specifically Kawagoi had a shop with like masks in the window. Yeah, yeah. You You will find masks in touristy areas. Yeah. So masks in Japan date back to very ancient traditions, but also in the present day, you've got people wearing cosplay masks. Yeah, you'll see masks in a lot of different contexts. So they are ever evolving. Mm -hmm. They've been a part of Japanese culture for a very long time. I saw that they date back almost 2000 years. The oldest wooden mask found in Japan is from the Makimuku archaeological site in Nara Prefecture. Did you see this thing, Paul? I think so. It dates back to the third century, and you should look up pictures because it's it's pretty amazing. Like, I mean, it looks very natural. Like, it looks like a piece of wood, a flat piece of wood with kind of a face carved into it. And I wonder, in its original form, way back when, I wonder if they painted it or what. Because I mean, it looks super old these days, of course. Right. I mean, when anything's made of wood, it's unlikely to have it last that long. Mm-hmm. So if you found one that old, they possibly go back even much further. Yeah. So back then, at the very beginning, people in Japan would put on masks of kami, the deities, or demons, and they would dance to pray for a good harvest or to thank the kami for their harvest because Life pretty much revolved around agriculture at the time. Everything was about, you know, how much food can we grow to feed ourselves over the coming winter, right? Yep. Every year it was a question. Like, are we going to have enough food this winter? Mm-hmm. So you would pray to the commies and perform your dances and rituals and make your offerings. And that tradition has, that's what's kind of rolled all the way to the modern day where there still are those Shinto traditions in modern Japanese festivals where they're still praying for a harvest or even modern things like education or others. others. Yeah, exactly. We did a, a Matsuri episode when we talked about how these ancient events eventually turned into today's local festivals and you'll see masks there a lot. Yeah, people dancing and performing will often be wearing masks. Mm -hmm. And around the 7th to 8th century, more masks came to Japan from China. And you can still see some of these masks dating back to the 8th century at a place called Shosoin. 
the treasure house at Todaiji Temple in Nara. That it, sounds really cool. Yeah, and Todaiji, that's like perhaps Nara's most famous temple. Like we've we've been there. Yeah. I, I had no idea though that they had all these masks. I gotta yeah, go back. I don't, don't recall seeing those. In the Heian period, around a thousand CE, Bugaku was a popular form of entertainment for the imperial court. And this was a type of music and dance that was often performed alongside religious rituals, and performers wore masks in that as well. I saw that those masks often had movable jaws. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. They look pretty crazy. They're a lot different from the no masks, it seems like. Yeah. So by the 14th century, no theater had evolved out of various performing arts from different parts of Japan. And uh, no is spelled N-O-H, just so you know what we're (laughs) talking about. Oh, I see what you did there. (laughs) (laughs) So this form of theater, like I said in the intro, it brings together dance, music, and drama. I think you could say most of the masks that you would see in Japan these days come from this tradition of no theater. And I kind of think of no as the Japanese version of opera. You think that makes sense? Like, you got music, but there's also a story. There's drama going on, you know? Um, yeah. It's, it's less singing. They do a lot of, like, chanting, though. Yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's, it's, it's yeah. very different, of yeah. course, but the, just those basic elements of it. And it's only male actors, on a side note, because that's just how it was. So men would wear female masks. Old men would wear children masks and play a child. Mm-hmm. It's theater. You could do that. Yeah. And what I thought was so cool is that these masks are considered sacred. Like if you're an actor and you have this mask for your character, you form a deep connection with this mask. And I read that you're supposed to become one with the mask. Reminds me of the yeah. mask with Jim yeah. Carrey. You become <laughs> <Yeah>. one. <No. laughs> but uh, apparently these actors are also very careful to never let anyone else touch the mask. Like, it's that important, your bond with this mask. Yeah, absolutely. So one historical note that's hung with masks all the way to the present day is these no masks, when they have the female mask, the eyebrows are always drawn in really high, like almost up at the roots of their hair. I noticed that. Because that goes back to the time of no theater blossoming, uh, like accentuating or emphasizing the height of your forehead was considered fashionable. So women would shave their eyebrows and draw in higher eyebrows. What? So that's still reflected in the masks today. I didn't see that. That explains a lot. And that's really funny that a five head used to be fashionable, you know? People were shaving their eyebrows even back. I feel like we've talked about shaving eyebrows sometime uh, before, so really? we should probably move on. <laughs> I think so. Hmm. I can't remember why or when that came up. But it's just interesting that they draw them in so much higher. Yeah, yeah. Huh. There was also something called Kyogen, which was performed in the intermissions, I believe, of the No plays. Yeah, it was kind of like a, a little comedy interlude. To give you a break from all the heavy drama that's going on in the no play. Yep. And the actors there didn't always wear masks, but they did when they were playing an animal. 
So if they were doing a Tanuki or a Kitsune or something, they would have a mask for that. Hmm. Although their masks were typically not as nice. Like the whole, their dress and everything wasn't as nice as the no stuff because it was just a little comedy thing. Yeah. But that kind of also had a little bit of an influence as well. Cool. You may have heard of Kabuki Theater. That came a little bit later and they evolved that to paint their faces. So there's no masks involved in Kabuki. So we won't be talking about it anymore this episode. Okay. But yeah, it really does. I mean, it almost still looks like they're wearing masks because the face paint is so intense, you know? Yeah, and I bet the masks influenced how they paint the faces probably. Yeah, totally. So let's talk a little bit about how these masks are made. I watched a guy make one and he was so good. He was like carving out the eyes so quickly. I'm like, how do you even do that? Yeah, it really is an art form. And, you know, these days you can find cheap plastic masks at festivals, especially like you can just get little souvenir masks of Pikachu or whatever. I want to get an alien mask. (laughs) Yeah, those are a thing. (laughs) And I saw some places they would make paper masks. And these ones aren't even to be worn. They can be hung on the wall as like lucky talisman kind of things. But we're going to focus on no masks for a minute, right? These ones that they're wearing in no theater. Usually they're made of wood, usually hinoki specifically, which is Japanese cypress. And they're hand carved with chisels. And like you said, Paul, they're just, I mean, these these guys are... Artists. They're artists. Yeah, absolutely. And they're very skilled. Yeah. The coolest thing I thought about mask making was... The fact that you're wearing a mask the whole performance, right? How do you express yourself and your emotions? Obviously, there's body language and the actors are great at that. But the masks are actually designed and carved to give off different feelings of emotion depending on the angle you're looking at the mask. Yeah, it's incredible. And it's really amazing how different these masks can look depending on that angle. Like from one angle, it looks really sad. Like somebody just died and at a different angle, they're like happy and smiling and it's the same mask. It's amazing. So just to like help you imagine this in your head, like a mask might be designed where if the actor tilts his head downward, he's supposed to look sad. And then if he tilts his head upward, it's supposed to look more happy. Right. You also need to know that these actors, they don't even speak when they're acting. So they have to embody their character using only that mask and their body movements. Like that's all they have to work with. So they have to learn, you know, these specific angles of their face and how to use their body to cover the whole spectrum of human emotion. It's just amazing. Like, I mean, the masks are amazing and the actors are amazing. Like it's, I saw some really crazy acting where people didn't even look like they were human anymore you know if they're depicting an animal or a demon or something it's like man it's almost scary how inhuman they can become you know what i mean yeah one example i saw was like this old actor like i was probably 80 he puts on a mask and he's like oh you know so you can't use your face so you got to show that you're laughing and he just does these like movements And it's just like, I just immediately understood, like, this guy is belly laughing, even though there's no sound coming out of his mouth. And I'm like thinking, 
if I sat there even without a mask and like pretended to laugh with no noise, people would probably look at me and be like, what is wrong with this guy? <laughs> you know, like the skill it takes to be able to project all these emotions with just like movements of your hands and shoulders and tilting your head. Yeah. That's incredible. It is incredible, yeah. So to allow the mask to portray all of these different emotions, the eyes are really deep set with really thick eyelids that kind of protrude a little bit. So the artist that's creating this mask can play around with the shadows that are cast depending on the angle of the mask. So straight on, the expression will look pretty much neutral on a no mask. There's even an expression in Japanese that's like, oh, you look like a no mask, which means you're expressionless. But then, you know, like Paul said, if you tilt the mask up, it looks happier with kind of these smiling eyes. And if it's tilted down, it looks like it's crying. Like all of a sudden, somehow the mouth looks like it's frowning, you know? Yeah. It's insane. Yeah, it really, it, it becomes more than just a mask. It's a tool that the actors have to learn to use effectively. You know, I imagine them like looking in a mirror for hours and hours, like trying to figure out exactly what angle they need to be at for a certain emotion, you know? One note that I thought was pretty interesting is that they're considering the actors too. Like you've got to wear this mask through the whole play. So they purposely make them thin and light. Mm. So it's not, you're not like, sweating a ton and it's weighing you down you can comfortably wear it as you perform yeah it needs to become a part of you yeah so once the artist shapes the mask they then paint it and that's really important too again the eyes are maybe the most important part of this whole thing so they're going to use a very deep black around the eyes almost looks like eyeliner kind of and it makes them stand out a lot and provide a lot of contrast with that pale skin tone mm-hmm there's also going to be red paint on the lips, but not too red because, again, you want that to blend in with the skin color. You know, you want to keep it looking realistic mm-hmm. to some extent. It's stylized, of course, but, you know. Yeah, yeah. And then the skin color. I thought this was interesting. They apply the skin color over the course of a week using several layers of pigments that have been aged for three to four years. So there's like a lot of depth in that skin tone. It's not just, you're not just slathering the same color over the whole thing. There's a lot of depth. I don't, I don't know. Is there a better word for that? Yeah. I, that's something coming into this I didn't, I hadn't thought about. That painting the mask is every bit as impressive, as important as carving the mask is. Yeah. It, it's all, it all comes together with the painting. And you mentioned the eyes. They're not just making human masks too. So sometimes if they're making like a mask of some sort of monster, they might do metal as the irises. And that like stands out and lets you know like, whoa, this is a scary person. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. I don't think it's just scary people. I saw that they might use that for Kami too to kind of show, like it shows that they're not human. Like there's something supernatural about this thing. Yeah. And you can also see other details in masks. One of my favorite is hair like you can actually see masks that are made with real hair so they have like little mustaches or beards and stuff (laughs) i love that human hair or horse hair i i didn't see anything about a specific type of hair and i'm i'm guessing like more modern ones probably use synthetic hair but like i've seen old samurai masks 
Uh, Kitsune masks sometimes have hair for like the whiskers, that kind of thing. Okay. I'm just like thinking in my head, if it's human hair, is it vegan then? <laughs> I don't I don't know the answer. Was it taken from a consenting human? Yeah. If they sold it of their own will, I guess it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> the deep questions we get to on this podcast that no one else probably cares about. <laughs> you mentioned earlier that the actors treat the mask as sacred objects. One thing I saw that was really cool is that They'll have some of these ancient masks replicated. Like modern mask makers will make a mask to look like the old one. And they'll use the new mask and only bring out the ancient one for like very important performances. Like if the emperor is in the crowd or something. Yeah, then you bust out the 500-year-old mask or whatever. Yeah, it's like a really special event. That's cool. Yeah. Let's talk about some of the more popular types of masks you will see in Japan. Yeah, because there are literally hundreds of types of masks that represent all sorts of things. You got men, women, kami, oni, animals, etc. And different parts of Japan will have their own variations on the look of these characters. Yep. So there's just a a huge variety, but we're just going to go over some of the more common ones that you're likely to see. So the first one I wanted to talk about was Ebisu. Okay. Do you have anything about him? No. Okay. I like Ebisu. He is often a main character in Noah Theater because he is the kami of fishing, fortune, and commerce. He's also one of the Shichifukujin, the seven gods of luck. There's seven gods of luck. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Lucky number seven. Yeah. And he's an interesting looking character. Like these masks are cool. He's... He's going to be kind of plump, bearded, and he's got a really happy face usually with like smiling eyes, you know? Just looks like a friendly dude. And the biggest thing that stuck out to me about these masks was his earlobes. Okay, what's up with his earlobes? He always has really giant, fat earlobes because it's a symbol of wealth. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, there's even a word for it in Japanese, fukumimi means lucky ears because legend has it that Buddha was born with extraordinarily long ears and all of the seven gods of luck apparently have them too. Okay, I was going to say, I feel like I've seen Buddhas with big ears before. Yeah, isn't that cool? I'd never heard of that before. Because he was a good listener. I just made up history right there. (laughs) And uh, like I said, he's kind of a chubby guy, pretty round face usually you're going to see. And I have some other, just what I thought were interesting notes about Ebisu. He's an interesting character. So, Paul, you've heard of Ebisu beer, right? Yeah, absolutely. There's a beer, it's made by Sapporo, that has Ebisu on the can, actually. You can see a little picture of him. There's also an area in Tokyo called Ebisu, named after, you would think that it's named after Ebisu the Kami, right? But it's actually named after the beer. Oh, that's cool. (laughs) Yeah, the area developed around the brewery in the late 1800s. Okay. Ebisu is also commonly written as, well, it looks like Yebisu. Like there's a Y at the beginning of his name. You've seen that? Yeah. And I've been mispronouncing. I've been ordering Yebisus all these years, and they're probably looking at me like, (laughs) "Uh, what is this foreigner ordering? 
Yeah, that's an archaic spelling. It uses a katakana character that is pretty much never used anymore. Like, you won't find it in modern Japanese writing. Interesting. But you'll see it on those beer cans. It's written that way with the old katakana. Beer is keeping culture alive in Japan. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, even even when it's spelled that way with the old katakana, with or in English with the Y at the beginning, it's still pronounced Ebisu. Ebisu right? Okay, I need yeah. to remember that. I won't. But I need to remember that. I want to talk about Oni masks. I know yeah. we've talked about Oni before. Demons is a rough translation. Right. We did uh, in our last Halloween episode, episode 62, half of that episode was all about Oni. So you can go check that out if you want to hear a lot of details about these things. Yeah. They just look so cool. Yeah. It's often depicted as red-faced, kind of an aggressive color. They're going to be have an angry look on their face, long, sharp teeth coming out of the mouth. And uh, the horns usually, right? Yeah, you got yeah, a little horns. Little, some horns. These are often worn on Setsubun, the bean-throwing festival. Mm-hmm. So parents put these on and frighten their children with them, and they throw beans. Oni, go away! Oni, go away! Kind of fun. It is fun. They also do local, most shrines will do a Setsubun festival and they'll have some Oni masks. So there's lots of Oni masks around, very popular, and they just look so cool. Yeah. The other thing we talked about in the last Halloween episode was Tengu. Yep. That's another common mask you might see. Basically, just try to sum it up real quick. They're kind of a mix between like a humanoid character and a giant bird. Yeah. And they're known to be mountain forest spirits. So they're they're sort of similar to Oni in their look. They're usually red, but these guys are going to be most recognizable because of their long nose. Yeah, they're going to have a nose on these masks coming out like, what, four or five inches probably at least? Yeah. Like you way s- out there. If you see a giant nose on a mask, it's probably a Tengu. And they also usually have like a little black mustache and a little beard maybe. And again, sometimes you'll see real hair on these masks. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And these are some of those ones that are going to have gold eyes maybe to make them look extra supernatural. Mm-hmm. These can be found in no theater or at Shinto festivals. I also saw that they can be used as decorations at shrines and temples because they're supposed to frighten away evil spirits and bring good luck. Yep. I've got to mention kitsune masks for two reasons. One, because they're really popular. And one, because my favorite Japanese band, Baby Metal, wears kitsune masks sometimes. Did they, at the concert that you went to, did they have kitsune masks? Um, oh, I'm trying to remember. I don't think, I don't think they did. Hmm. Maybe they walked on stage with them. I don't remember. Yeah. But every interview I've seen with them, they're always doing the little kitsune hand sign. Yeah, right? they've got a kitsune hand sign. Like their whole, they've got a bunch of lore for the band where it's like they serve the kitsune god or something. Hmm. It's, they're pretty connected with it. Yeah. So kitsune is fox spirit. Yeah, they're considered messengers to the kami, specifically Inari, a kami of rice, commerce, and prosperity. Yep. Uh, historically, foxes were viewed as magical creatures with the ability to shape shift. 
Mm-hmm. So a kitsune mask is usually white, I believe. It's got a little fox snout, whiskers painted on it. Yeah, most of the ones that I saw, they're white. The base is white, and then they have like red and maybe black accents yes. kind of on the mouth and the ears and the whiskers. A little nose. And it's really like, it's stylized very, yeah. very much. Yeah. That almost makes it look kind of magical or like ethereal somehow. Like it doesn't look like you would imagine a real life fox. It looks like a spirit fox or something, you know? It kind of looks like a human fox hybrid, maybe. Sure. And so these masks uh, can be seen at certain Shinto festivals. And I feel like I've seen at festivals, it's common to find like those plastic versions that you can buy. Yeah, if they're like selling masks somewhere, you're likely to find a kitsune mask. They're very, very common. Mm -hmm. Another mask that I really like that maybe you've seen, I think this is a really popular one, is the Hanya. What's the Hanya? This is a mask that represents a jealous female demon. Okay, yeah. You, could, you can kind of think of this as a female oni. Basically, the idea is that women can turn into a hanya if they are consumed by jealousy and rage. Ooh. So this is a scary-looking mask. It's got horns. It's got fangs. You know, similar to an oni a little bit, but a little different. Don't we have an English saying, something about a woman scorned? Yeah. Kind of leads down the same road. Hell has no fury like a woman's scorn, is yeah, that Yeah, I think that's it. In Japan, it's like, eh, she'll turn into a demon and yeah. ruin your life. Yeah, they usually have like their mouth open, I think. They're kind of screaming at you, maybe. <laughs> yeah, with the scary teeth and everything, because yeah. they're kind of demons now. And this is another one that might have the shiny metal for the irises to make them look otherworldly. Yeah. I feel like usually you see red Hanya, but I saw that there are different colors that you might see that have different meanings to them. Okay. A white mask means it's a woman of refined character. Ah. Red means they're a little less refined. And the very darkest reds are reserved for the evilest ones, for women that have been completely consumed by their jealousy and lost control entirely. Oh, wow. Okay, I like that. There's different levels you can show with the coloring that's really cool yeah you gotta know all the folklore to like understand exactly where all the masks are coming from right so this one will show up in no theater of course but it's also a really popular tattoo motif like you might have a giant hanya on your back okay i feel like i've seen some of those yeah yeah okay that's cool Uh, i kind of like the look of the hyotoko it's a silly childlike figure with a comical expression, kind of with your mouth like out in an O, but often like out to the side a little bit. Like just, it looks like really like a, like a kid being silly. Yeah, this is a really fun one. He kind of looks like he's whistling almost. And he might have one eye closed too. Like it's just, yeah, it's a silly look. And uh, there are a lot of different legends about this guy around Japan. Usually they have him blowing on a bamboo pipe, which kind of explains his, you know, whistling sort of expression. Yeah. But I also saw that in parts of Japan, Hyotoko is considered a kami of fire, and he breathes flames through his pipe. Ooh. Or even just out of his mouth. 
So that's kind of fun. There are also legends about him producing gold from his belly button. So he's seen as a symbol of good luck for that reason. Yeah, that's a, he's a positive character. Yeah. He would commonly be seen in Kyogen. Paul, you mentioned Kyogen before, those little comical intermissions in, yep. in no theater. Often uh, in uh, festivals, too, people would wear the mask kind of playing the clown character, like a dancer being funny and doing silly things to like lighten it up would be wearing a Hyotoko mask. Yeah. There's another character that kind of sh- often shows up with Hyotoko, the, the female counterpart. Yeah. Known as Okame or Otafuku. And she's a deity of good fortune. You know, these are both lucky, happy characters. And she doesn't look quite as silly as him, I feel like. She basically, to me, just looks like kind of an old, kind lady with big rosy cheeks. Yeah, supposed to be an oval-shaped head. Smiling eyes is what I saw a lot. Just yeah. kind of gives you that like wholesome, friendly look. Yeah, she totally looks friendly. She looks like the kind of person that would have like a, a sheet of cookies ready for you when you walk in the door, you know? <laughs> yeah, and these people wearing those masks are often doing the fun, silly dances type stuff too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'll see Hyotoko and Okami in similar contexts. So most of these masks that we've mentioned appear in no theater, as we've said. That seems to be the main type of place you'll see all these different types of masks. But there are other places in Japanese culture where you can find masks. Yes. For example, samurai wore masks. And these, in my humble opinion, are maybe the coolest masks in all of Japan. Some of these are so sick. They are pretty awesome. They're called men yoroi, and they had basically two functions. One is to protect the face of the samurai, of course, and the other is to intimidate their enemies. So they made them real scary looking. Yeah, they were pretty much part of the helmet. You got this huge helmet on, and then you strap on this metal mask in front, and you're like completely covered. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the part where they made them scary, like they look so cool, they look so scary. Yeah, the faces are usually kind of like scrunched up into a scowl or like they're growling or screaming or like doing a war cry, that kind of thing. Yeah, I feel like I've seen them with like big sharp teeth before, kind of just making them look almost like a demon type look. Mm -hmm. And since they're also used as armor, they're not going to be made of wood like those no masks. They're usually made of iron and leather or lacquered leather even. Yeah, which gives them a different look, too, which is kind of cool. Yeah. And there there are a bunch of different types of samurai masks, of course. And some of them cover the whole face. Some of them cover only, like, the lower half of the face. There are a lot of variations, but they're all really cool looking. And again, these ones, my favorite ones, are the ones with the the real hair. You can find samurai masks with, like, a real mustache. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. Another type of mask you might find is character masks. Earlier I mentioned, like, they have Pikachu masks. I've seen all sorts of Pokemon masks. Yeah, yeah, they they got tons of those. You might even find, like, uh, well, there are definitely Power Ranger ones. I was going to say, like, the Marvel movies are so big now. I feel like you could find Iron Man masks, that kind of thing. Yep. I mean, any popular anime character that wears 
a mask or helmet. There's gonna be there's gonna be a mask for that. Mm-hmm. So now I want to talk a little bit about a very particular kind of mask. And if you live on planet Earth, you've probably seen a whole lot of these over the last year or so. I'm talking about those paper or cloth surgical masks, flu masks, whatever you want to call them. You know what I'm talking about, right, Paul? Uh, I don't want to talk about masks. Okay. No, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, you've probably heard a lot of dissent about those at work, huh? Oh, man. I've had at least a handful of people like scream in my face and tell me they were going to sue me in the last year because I asked them to wear a mask. Wow. <laughs> Did you get served? Did you I, get those I gave papers? them all my name and I never got served. So <laughs> it, was, it was just hot air. All right. I guess you got lucky. Yeah, well, you know. I was at work, so I was like, yeah, I'll give you my name. I don't have to pay for a lawyer. I'm at work. <laughs> yeah. I, I hope my boss isn't listening. Yeah. Yeah, so most people in the U.S. hadn't really seen these around until the recent pandemic, but these have actually been common in Japan for around 100 years. I saw that it was during the Spanish flu pandemic in 1918 when people started wearing masks, not only in Japan, but In America, then, too, yeah, everywhere. Right. There were actually people in the U.S. I mean, everybody was wearing masks 100 years ago. Yeah, I saw a picture of uh, like some guy getting a ticket on the side of the street from a policeman in like 1918 for mm-hmm. like not wearing a mask. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, after that, after the Spanish flu kind of went away. Americans were like, freedom! And people in Japan were like, that was a good idea. We should probably keep wearing these when we're not feeling well. Yeah, masks stuck around. And I saw a lot of reasons for that, actually. There was a series of other public health crises in Southeast Asia that kind of made masks a little more of a common thing over the years. Interesting. There there were viral outbreaks. So it's like mask wearing was reinforced in the public psyche over and over again when it wasn't really that way in the U.S. Also, the many volcanoes in Japan contributed a little bit to that like when there was a lot of smoke and ash in the air people might wear masks okay deal with that yeah i um, don't like modern day china you see a lot of people wearing masks because of air quality issues right exactly uh, there was also a period when a lot of trees were being planted in japan i think it was around the 70s or, or something and so there was a lot more hay fever going around so people would wear masks to try to prevent that ah Uh, So there were all these different factors that contributed to ingraining masks in Japanese culture. And these days, people wear masks there all the time. Like if they have a cold or something and they don't want to spread it, they'll wear a mask. If they're feeling lazy and they don't want to put on makeup or whatever, you just put on masks and some sunglasses and you can go out and not worry about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just like a common courtesy thing. Like, I think that's so cool. Like you're not feeling well. Okay, it's just a cold. Maybe you don't isolate at home for two weeks till it's gone, but like put a mask on so you don't go like infect everybody else that you work with or whatever. Yeah, personally, I hope that masks stick around to some extent in the US, like at least that it'll be culturally acceptable to be wearing a mask just whenever you feel like it, you know? Yeah, we'll see how it goes. I'm, I'm curious. We've definitely got a lot of people that feel strongly about masks mm-hmm. on both sides. So yeah, I'm, it's, I'm interested to see where that goes. It's become so political. Right. It's really messed up that it was turned into a political issue like that. And there was such a strong division 
between right. the groups. We're all just out here trying to survive and politicians are being politicians. Yeah. <laughs> So if you're going to Japan, where are you going to find masks, Paul, if you want to buy one and bring it home? You got a pretty good shot at uh, Matsuri to find some masks. Any really touristy area, like any big temples or shrines, might have some gift shops or even gift shops in the area, uh, very possibly selling some masks. Mm -hmm. Also, there's a Kanazawa No Museum I saw that looks really cool. Yeah, they've got cool. tons of like old no masks, so you can go see so many examples. Yeah, I saw a lot of cool old history stuff in Kanazawa, but I missed out on that museum, unfortunately. Uh, there's also a Japanese oni museum in rural Kyoto that Ooh. has a bunch of oni masks. Oh, that's dude, that oni museum! I gotta go to the oni museum, right? Also, you know, we mentioned the men yoroi, the samurai masks. So if you go to like an old castle that has a museum or like anything from the Sengoku period, you're likely to find some examples of armor and you might be able to see some masks with those armor sets as well that are preserved. Mm -hmm. And of course, we mentioned no theater a bunch. There are places where you can go to a no performance and you would see a bunch of masks there. Yep. That'd be fun to seek out. I also saw if you're not planning on going to Japan, but you just really want one of those masks, there are, of course, places on the internet where you can buy them. On eBay, I saw a bunch of them for anywhere from a few hundred bucks to thousands of dollars. Like, there were some brand new no masks for sale that were like $6,000 each. Yeah, I mean, if they're hand carved, I yeah. believe it. Yeah. How long those take? Like, yeah, you better pay that guy's rent for a couple months after you spent all that time making that mask. Yeah, that's a real work of art. Yeah, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Got anything else, Paul? I think I'm all masked out. Me too. Guess that's the end of the episode. If you want to see a picture of masks, I know I have a picture from Kawagoe with a bunch of masks in a window, including one of those Hyotoko ones. That's I think that's my favorite one, probably. Nice. He's yeah, that one look, it looks so cool. Yeah. It's fun, yeah. So I'll be posting that on our website, sightseeingjapanpodcast.com. You can also find us on Instagram. We are at SJP Podcast. And if you are enjoying the podcast, it would be awesome if you could go to your preferred podcasting platform and give us a rating and review. That would help us out a lot. Get the word out to more people that are interested in Japanese stuff. Paul, what are we talking about next time? On the next episode, we're talking about the Shikoku region. Yeah, this will be fun. I don't know a lot about Shikoku, but it's one of the main islands of Japan. Yep. Uh, not, it's kind of off the coast near Hiroshima, I believe. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think the one thing I remember being in Shikoku is that little... Uh, that little village where they have all those dolls. Yeah, I remember that. That's in rural Shikoku. Where they replace all the leaving residents with dolls. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm really excited about this one. Yeah, like you said, all the ones we don't know much about, it's so fun because like everything I'm going to learn about Shikoku is going to be brand new. So totally. I'm looking forward to that. Me too. Can't wait. Well, thanks for listening. See you next time. <laughs>